You're listening to episode 293 of the Major Issues Podcast, and in this one, we talk all about the latest installment in the TMNT franchise, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. The Major Issues Podcast starts right now! Everybody out there in comic book land, my name is George Serrano, aka The Don, and if you're listening to this, you can only be here for one reason, that's a brand new episode of the Major Issues Podcast, brought to you each and every week by ComicBookClick.com, and as always, I am never alone, sir, if you could please introduce yourself. I am your cinema Sherpa, it is Dan the Comic Book Man, back live in action. Dan, the comic book man, is here. I felt like for authenticity, I needed somebody who was familiar with film and also familiar with the streets of New York City to tackle what we're here to tackle today, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. While it hasn't, I don't think it's been released globally yet. I think other other countries have odd release dates. Uh, It has been released here in the States. You saw it before I did. I was able to take my nephew this weekend, which was pretty cool bonding moment. Right before we went, we played Shredder's Revenge and beat it. So that was pretty cool because I don't think I've ever been one of those games. Like, which is Because I always need quarters. I've only beaten the... <laughs> if we're talking about the side-scrolling 16-bit or whatever, I've never beaten them. They're too hard. But yeah. I've beaten the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles games that were for the GameCube and right. the PlayStation 2. Those ones where you can like switch between characters, but it's like all four turtles are together. Those ones where all you need to do is just press uh, start on controller two, and then you yeah, can just yeah. join in. My toe, my toe. That that one. Which was those were those <laughs> games were just weird that you could just pick up a controller, just press start, oh, and so player cool. two just joins in the middle of your your mission. I feel like Simpsons aped it. I feel like Simpsons was like, oh yeah, we'll just do that, but put Simpsons in it. <laughs> Just, yeah, the Simpsons arcade game, which was very, very similar. Oh, they've had they, they've had so many great ones, but this the, these the turtles, the turtles are well. This is a semi bulletproof franchise, bro. Like this is a franchise that seemingly it it, it can't stop, won't stop. Uh, has a lot of redeeming qualities. Each creator who's come up with their own interpretation, you know, there's some good and there's some bad. People feel their types of way. Uh, two questions for you right before we get into Mutant Mayhem. Question, well, I guess three questions for you. Uh, question one, um, what is your history with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Question two, were you excited when you heard that this uh, Seth Rogen-helmed version of the Turtles was going to come out? Can you talk about a bit of what you were thinking when all that press was, was going on? And then, obviously, the million-dollar question, who's your favorite turtle? So my history of the turtle would be like, like almost any other like little young boy, you know, just it was it was there. I obviously had uncles and cousins that are older than me that grew up with the 80s cartoon, the one that, you know, that that we didn't get a chance to grow up with that, but but we know of. Yeah. So those that was always in my life. I grew up with just like you, the the Fox one that was on Saturday morning, <laughs> Saturday morning cartoons. Next gen- next mutation or something like that. Next. Uh, the one where, where um, Uncle Phil was Shredder. Yeah. This is also the one where they added Venus de Milo. Right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, so oh, like I grew boy. up with them just like that. I had I had the toys, I had I, I had the VHSs, the episodes, all of it. Um, as far as the how it went with my excitement for this movie, um, it was kind of mid. It was a mid excitement, you know. Like it, I wasn't bashing it like you know other people, but I wasn't exactly like, oh, I gotta go see this opening night, even though I did see it opening night. Right, right. But um, um. During the whole time that this movie was being marketed, while I was going to the movies, the Turtles kept doing fourth wall breaks. Like, once a trailer (laughs) to a certain movie would end, Mm -hmm. the Turtles would be messing with the projector. Oh, okay. That's pretty cool. And then, yeah, it was was very fun. It was very kidsy. As far as my favorite Turtle goes, oh, I got, I got, I got, it is a it is a true Sophie's choice, but I gotta go to Raph. Yeah, Raph is just Raph is everything that a teenage mutant ninja turtle should be, and he's equal parts. <laughs> no, really, he's like he's. No, like, I always think oh, of him as like the Wolverine of the team, where like Leo. I Cyclops. think of him as the Jason Todd of the team. I look at all yeah. of the teenage mutant ninja turtles as like the four Robins. You have the Nightwing, the the Red Robin with Donatello. You you know you have the the uh, the Tim yeah Tim Drake with the yeah. Donatello. You have um Jason uh, Todd as the Raphael as the Raphael, and then uh, poor poor Mikey, he's Barbara Gordon. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> no, because yeah, you know, I mean Ralph is like a mix of of um Jason Todd and Damian Wayne. A, he, I, a bit, I would say Mikey's a bit Drake and Wayne. Drake and yeah, Drake and Wayne. Um, and, but yeah, that's that's a question you you had to be asking me. I was a bit of a shy child. Um, I like to play with other children, but I was not assertive, and it felt like the assertive kids always picked Ralph and Leo. And so knowing that I was never going to be either one of those, I always picked Donnie. And then it just stuck. As the more I saw of Donnie, the more I liked. Donnie and it's still Donnie for me um and a f- close friend of mine his favorite was uh Michelangelo so as we were growing up together watching uh a lot of the media surrounding the turtles it was always hilarious because in almost every iteration Mikey yep. and Donnie are chilling while Ralph and Leo are fighting <laughs> and, that's, they're and always that's always been the dynamic yeah, they're eating pizza or taking bets, or you know, they're like, "Oh, well, let's just get pizza out of this." Guys, room got five room. minutes. I and I and I love that. Um, I love that sort of dynamic that's there. Uh, I remember when I heard that this was being redone. I was for it because I just feel like every generation deserves their own kind of turtles. I I've 100%. never been, I've never been super territorial with them because they can take many forms so like i i've kind of just relinquished them and i've kind of been just stuck to my 90s films when i consider like my turtles um, well, and then obviously like video games and stuff like that the norm right it should just yeah. be the norm that like you know we have ours like if it's if it's like, iconic and important and special like that every generation should have their version like yeah. there's three spider-men that different kids <laughs> can say that they grew up with. I we grew up with Toby. There's yeah. like my brother grew up with Garfield. Many other people will grow like your nephew grow grew up with Holland. Yeah, like it's like yeah. everybody just deserves that generational 
speciality when it comes to certain, like, not just comic books or superheroes, but movies in general. Yeah, as much as yeah. I don't like remakes and reboots because of the way they handle it for cash grabs, I think every, you know, generation deserves their The Godfather. I agree. And I will also say that you got to imagine if I'm pointing at the older films for, for my, my nephew, he's like, they're stealing VCRs. What's a VCR? You know, like there's going to be stuff like that, right? He deserves a story set in his time with references he understands. And boy, does Mutant Mayhem pack the brim with Gen Z humor, references, internet meme humor, anime uh, references. Everything that this gen, the gen, the younger generation is obsessed with is in this film in some way, shape, or form. E- even the um, remember that time period where everybody younger than us was obsessed with the word "sus" because <laughs> among us, <laughs> they even yep. go to great lengths to play around with that in that here. And while a lot of that isn't my my generation, I got it, I understood it, and I'm almost happy for the next generation that they get to have this. Um, and similar to like you talking about with the Spider-Man, we had a Toby, and Toby was all we thought we could ever get. We were very happy with that, and I still love those films. And it, but it just felt like the peak of what <laughs> what that could be. And then you get Garfield, and you get to play around a little bit more with the character, uh, his physicality. The suit gets more and more accurate, and you're like, wow, okay, well, we can also do this as well. And then. When Holland came on board, I remember thinking to myself, oh, wow, Spider-Man's going to be a kid. Like, for the first time, even though he's canonically like, been a no, teenager no, like his entire run. Kid, kid, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he's actually going to be played by a teenager. And what a novel idea that was. Fast forward to Mutant Mayhem. We have a, a whole voice cast for the kids who were teenagers when they recorded. I don't know how many of them are older now. But, again, what a novel <laughs> concept. Well, you have to look at it that... These teenage these teenage mutant ninja turtles technically would have been born after the Dark Knight came out. Yeah, if we're we're in we're in universe right because when they you know spoiler but at one point when they show people as their kids those people have phones, so we're led to believe that this and is not of, flip phones either smartphones. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so this is, we're led to believe that if it took place now, that the events around their origin would be about 2008. 2009, 2008, yeah. 2009. Right after TMMT, <laughs> which is yeah, pretty TMNT interesting. Yeah, TMMT was 2007. <laughs> yeah. Which, which I is, saw which... in theaters. That was the, the, no, I wasn't the last one I saw in theaters. The last Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie I saw in theaters was the first Michael Bay one, and I didn't mind that one. I thought it wasn't that I... bad. I feel like I've seen the entirety of the first Michael Bay one. I don't think I've ever seen Out of the Shadows. I have never seen Out of the Shadows, not a Cinema Sins, not a Nostalgia Critic. I have no idea what Out of the Shadows <laughs> is about. All I know about Out of the Shadows is that Seamus plays Rocksteady. Yeah, or and I know that. I know. I think it's... It, I think it's Rocksteady. He plays the... He doesn't play the Warhog. He plays the Boar. The Rhino. Not the no no not the rhino. He plays the boar, not the rhino. The rhino is rock. He does. Yeah, he. Oh wow. Yeah, because the rhino would have because the, the boar when it gets mutated would have to be a lighter color, unless you want Seamus doing blackface. <laughs> I mean, one of them got purple hair. I don't know how much of any of that. That would be Bebop. Makes sense. That would be the warthog. Yeah. And, um. Yeah. This, so. Absolutely. Oh yeah, ridiculous. and um, yeah. Brad Garrett was Krang. 
Yeah, uh, Out of the Shadows has three stars out of uh, five, apparently. So not great. Um, a mid, like a mid, like a midway movie, like you know, not not bad, but not good. They're also spending a lot of time on it. So it says it says Seamus plays a rock steady. It says it is rock. Um, I don't. I'm, why is it not telling me what Bebop? Oh yes, Gary Anthony Williams. Oh, <laughs> uh, Uncle Ruckus. Oh, Jesus Christ! <laughs> Uncle yeah. Ruckus played Bebop. The reason why I I knew Seamus was rock steady is because when he used to do that uh, entrance with all the lights and he would just yell. When I was ever in the basement, I used to yell, Rocksteady! <laughs> it made no sense, but it made my roommate laugh every time I did it. <laughs> and now we have two wrestlers, because John Cena plays Rocksteady in this. So it might be one of those things we just hand out. Which Turtles and wrestling have kind of always yeah. been uh, in hand-in-hand. Hand. Kevin Nash played Super Shredder in um, that, in 2, in Secret of the Ooze. Which I don't think we ever found out what that secret was, but but um, <laughs> uh, Compound V, Compound V, because Giancarlo Esposito voices Baxter Stockman in this one. Yes, yes, that's true. It's all coming full circle, and he was in Do the Right Thing, which is a very '90s New York film. Yep, look at that, look at that. It's all coming circle. It's all coming full circle. Um, is there anything else you want to say ahead of us getting into this review? Uh, no. Let's just jump right into it. Okay, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: Mutant Mayhem is a 2023 American uh, American film. It says computer anime. It doesn't really matter. American film directed by Jeff Rowe, who co-wrote the screenplay with Seth Rogen, Evan Goldberg, Dan Hernandez, and Benji Samet. It is the seventh theatrical TMNT film and a reboot of the series. The film I stars. I knew it. So I need to see something real quick because ahead, Greg was trying to tell me that there was more. Um, TMNT movies when I was doing my ranking of them of the only theatrical seven theatrical um, which I yes which would be the 90s turtle the, the TMNT. One, uh, turtles out of time three three then, 90s films one CGI film two Michael Bay films and that makes six and then this one yep yep so these so yeah yeah, these have all we have so I have all of them. Okay, so yeah. He says you're wrong, Greg. You hear Greg? Because I know you're listening. He he's says gonna, that you're wrong. He's, he's and when, you get to this, when you get to this point in the podcast, get in the group chat to let us know. You reach this point in the podcast to tell whether or not we're wrong. But apparently, yes, it is the seventh film. Um we have an ensemble voice cast here. Micah Abbey, uh Shaman Brown Jr., Nick Nicholas Cantu, Brady Noon. Uh, Hannibal Buress, Rose Byrne, John Cena, Jackie Chan, Ice Cube, Natasha Demetriou, who is um, uh, the girl vampire in Shadows. Oh, Nadja. Oh, Nadja. Nadja. Uh, Ayo Idebri, who plays in uh, The Bear, which you are jamming on currently. Yes. Juan Carlos Esposito, Post Malone, Seth Rogen, Paul Rudd, and Maya Rudolph. In the film, after years of being sheltered from the human world, the turtles set out to be accepted as normal teenagers through acts of heroism. The brothers go on a hunt for a mysterious crime syndicate, but trouble arises when an army of mutants is unleashed upon them. The filmmakers cite Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, the Jackie Chan martial arts film Police Story, and Rumble in the Bronx, the crime drama Ching King Express, the period film Boogie Nights, 
and the works of cinematographers. There's no way. Emmanuel. What is this movie? <laughs> and the works of cinematographers Emmanuel Lubinsky and Spike Jones as influence on the visual style of the film. Uh, I have. I don't get any of those references. Does any of that mean anything to you? And does Every, any of that ring true so, to you? A does lot it, of it. You, yes. Could you see that? Could you see those influences on this film? I I can. I can see it the way the story was shot, like the way it's written. I could see it in a lot of the editing and the framework. Definitely in the framework. Like yeah. you can the, the, mostly Spider into the Spider Verse because this movie was very comic book e. In the way it was storyboarded, which, yeah. like you said a long time ago, you know, comic books should be the easiest movies to adapt because the panels are your legit your storyboard. So you don't even need a storyboard team. Just put the comic book right up there on the whiteboard and bam, boom, boom. But bam. yeah, there's, there's there's definitely a lot of a lot of influence from auteur cinemas and cinematographers and filmmakers. I mean, well, hell, we had a Ferris Bueller. What do you think about this idea that, I mean, I, I'm trying to see how I can say this without insulting anyone. What do you think about this new almost venture to put effort in children's films? I <laughs> because I, I feel like there was, I feel like it was almost universally accepted that these things didn't have to be too dense because they were meant to be sort of popcorny kind of stuff. Or am I getting it wrong? Were they always kind of of quality and? now we're just seeing a new level to them i think people are legit afraid to admit that they can see the quality of deep storytelling inside quote-unquote kids movies like you're not gonna tell me that you can throw on wally for a five-year-old oh you're right There's that's like that that's not pixar's happening. always pixar's always been pretty good at that right yeah but yeah. even okay so even let's take pixar out of the equation and then bring in a movie from DreamWorks, like, you know, How to Train Your Dragon 3. An eight-year-old's not going to understand the complexities of the How to Train Your Dragon series. Like, these kids' movies have always been complex and always been deep within its storytelling. It's just no one wants to admit because it's cartoons that it can be, you know, it can make it be a tearjerker. Look, look yeah. at Studio Ghibli with Howling's Moving Castle. There's movies like The Perfect Blue, Your Name, Graves of the Fireflies. Like, there's a lot of animated films that will break you more than Shawshank Redemption <laughs> could. Like, I would and throw I most animated movies up there. I guess we got just got to give uh, the youth some credit, right? That's that's the I think oftentimes when you age out of a of a generational bracket we assume that they they're too dense to <laughs> to pick up on uh stronger themes and stuff like that there's some while you'll hear some people you know all about like movies shoving down agendas down their throat there's some very clear themes in this uh, that may not be clear to those who don't want to see them but i feel like will be seeds planted in the minds of children I just don't understand what they mean by agendas anymore. Like I've like I've always pretended to understand. Yeah, I get what you mean, man. I know what you. I, I know. I know. I don't agree with you. You're wrong. You're a bigot. But I know what you mean. I get. I don't actually know what, what they mean anymore. So people don't, don't like it. to be people don't like to be preached to. That's the that's the big thing. I don't see the preaching. Sometimes I'll see the preaching. Like okay, a movie like Barbie mm -hmm. could well, could be construed as preaching, but. Mm -hmm. I would look at more so as somebody just 
you know, being open and honest and saying, hey, listen, I have grievances. There's a difference between preaches and grievances. Right. And I, you, like, I feel like know, one of the things in this is like, do not, like, don't automatically judge people by how they look. That seems to be a very easy uh, uh, theme in this. Like, well, I mean, unless you got, you know, one of those Ted Bundy smiles. Yeah. But uh, like, don't, don't treat people different than you as other. That, that's yeah, a big just because you here. look like a giant walking rat doesn't mean you're a monster. A hundred percent. And we talked a little bit about this in the, in the um, secret invasion um, review that's, that's up, but like, are, are they only acceptable when they're helpful? And, and what other, what other demographics do we know <laughs> that, Oh no! They, these are the good ones. <laughs> that that one over there. They build our houses and cut our lawns. You understand what I'm saying? Like, I think there are some very clear themes and messages in this that are done so well that kids are gonna remember them for different reasons. But when they get older and they see, you know, social issues, they're gonna remember the turtles. <laughs> you know, Which, I mean, truly, I hope these kids don't have to go through the same social issues we've been going through for the last eight years. You would think they would be gone by now, but I guess, you know, uh, got to get some scrapes and scratches to get past in this world. But before we get into the spoiler heavy plot and go through this basically scene by scene, um, for those who haven't seen the film and just kind of wanted to hang out with us for about 20 minutes, do you recommend it? <laughs> 100%. See this in theaters. Don't wait for it to be streaming. Don't wait for the buzz to die. Don't wait for physical. See this in theaters. This is worthwhile. It's funny. It's short. You 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 can get a three o'clock showing and be out before five. Yeah. Like it's, I did you'll be it out before four thirty. Damn it. One one thirty. We were out by three. Still time to play uh, Shredder's Revenge and get some food. You know, it was, it was perfect. The, the the length of time was perfect. I thought that the plot was very easy to understand. Um, I they obviously some liberties are taken with the turtles that may not be comic book accurate or television show accurate, but this is blazing a different trail, its own trail. Um, and one of the things I hope is a result of not only this film being made, but hopefully people liking it. I would really, really like to see similar to Holland this franchise grow with its viewership. 100%. Um, 100%. That, that would be number really, 10. really cool. Yeah. No, they need to. They need to see this. I have this at number 10 on my top uh, my top movies of... My ranked films of 2023, this sits at number 10. Of theater trips, this sits at number 6. Well, to break into your top 10, having only seen it a week ago, <laughs> I, I think, uh, even less than that, I think a couple of days ago, that's huge. What oh, was the thing... The Second of July. Yeah, I saw it July 2nd, and I gave it, as far as stars go, I think I gave it, like, four stars. What was the uh, thing No, you I said gave it five stars. That's five-star movie. What was the thing you said we made fun of you for? You know, I wanted something new, and they, everyone, uh, Greg specifically was like, oh, what are you expecting, a, a Shredder, or not Shredder, a Splinter origin story? Uh, and the movie <laughs> goes and gives the Splinter origin story, and I was... That's hilarious. I was trying to hold back tears because it wasn't a tearful moment. It wasn't a, a laughing moment. It was a tearful moment. You know, yeah. like Splinter was explaining about being bigoted towards New Yorkers when he was trying to bring his kids into the world for the first time. 
and 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 we'll get to that too because layers 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 bro layers layers all right baby this the spoiler free portion of this is out of here we are popping in a pizza of spoilers right into the oven uh join us as we feast upon teenage mutant ninja turtles mutant mayhem our film begins with techno cosmic research institute tcri executive cynthia Ultram sending a squadron to hunt down rogue scientist Baxter Stockman, played by Juan Carlo Esposito, who has created a mutant gen to uh, form his own mutant family. We see that Baxter is dedicated with creating, dedicated to creating this family of mutants, feeling like he never himself fit in. We see that he has a whole bunch of mutant experiments, but seems to treasure a mutated housefly that he kind of treats like his kid. Stockman is interrupted by Ultram's strike force, but the fly does his best to protect his master. Unfortunately, the chaos causes an explosion, killing Baxter, while the uh, contents of the mutant gin fall deep into the sewers of New York City. Did not expect this ending. I was really frantic. Yeah. Right? Cool and frantic. Fly was beating everybody up. I was really enjoying that. Like, I knew that the film is going to be action-packed you know it's, it's a martial arts film at the end of the day but that was fun that was a fun little set piece what's cool is that the creators have said that the style that they were going for was ch- children's drawings so when you look at something like let's say there is a vial or or a, a jar of something uh, in the background there's never a label it's always a scribble it's always like a, a kid's hand-drawn sort of scribble, which gave this film kind of a, a grungy, unfinished kind of look. But if we're talking oh, about like the sewer and mutants, yeah. What do you think of the style, though? I mean, it's not it's not as clean as the other um, animated films. I enjoyed the sketch lines, how everything was like. Um, the only way I can describe it is sketch lines. There was line work in every. Every arm, the eyes, the head, the suits, when things were crashing, it kind of like reminded me of the Lego movie in its simplicity, but it was still felt very professional. Like this is talent. This isn't just because it was trying to emulate a certain kind of of look doesn't mean that this wasn't artistically sound. Like this was. I thought so as well. I thought so as well. And I think it's style is what's going to make it stand out like it already has so many good things working for it but you have to be visually interesting in today's era i i still talk about mitchell's versus the machines which i watched on a whim and some of those some of the cinematography in that bro i'm like this is film level and one of the things i've never that will always amaze me with all this cgi stuff is the lighting when they get lighting right always you know, whether it's shadows, whether it's a siren, the way it bounces off of... They've nailed lighting and animation so well um, that it really makes a lot of this stuff stand out. Yeah, I think nothing will ever be done better than The Incredibles. Me, personally, yeah. when it comes down to like stuff like that, like especially with the first movie, like when they were in the water. Yeah, man. The mom <laughs> and the two kids. And you just see the strands of hair. When, when you see individual strands of hair in an animation, that's it. Like... That reminds me of Sully. When you see Sully in Monsters, Inc., you can mm-hmm. almost see the individual hairs of fur. Uh, Whiskers on his, on his, up under his nose. Yeah, it, it's deliberate. Uh, so we fast forward 
15 years later, where Turtle Brothers Michelangelo, Leonardo, Raphael, and Donatello are sent by their father, Splinter, on a supply run. Believing human beings are the scum of the earth, Splinter instructs his children to use their ninja skills to not be seen, which would lead to them, in his mind, being captured and most likely killed. So we you get know, it a- doesn't really help your cause to make your kids steal. Oh, these humans, they're going to hate you. They're going to experiment on you. But so also steal. Yeah. Steal um, from them every chance you get. And you know me quite well, Dan the comic book man. Who do you think Splinter sounds like to me? I'll let you sit on that for a little bit. I'll let you sit on it. It'll, it'll come to fruition soon. So we get a, we get a theft of a bodega uh, set to Annie Up. Which I'm like, what is this movie? <laughs> uh, we get Annie up, um, and yeah, they they just do this expertly. Expertly, the four turtle voices were performed by teenagers for the first time in history, um, and that was on purpose. It was all the voices were based on a recommendation by Seth Rogen because they want he wanted to kind of go to a child like approach with this, um, and also unlike other animated films they made it a point to record their lines together. They were in the same room. And you kind of get that with their back and forth, them talking over each other and stuff, which would almost be impossible if everyone was recording their lines separately. That's what do you think I about feel, that? I feel so authentic. Now I was wondering why I feel so authentic. Like you're just like, even though I already graded this movie five stars, you're just giving me more <laughs> time to like, this is crazy to appreciate. Like, yeah. Are, yeah. Like, but no, I, th- I, th- I think people, I think people might forget or not even be a hundred percent, whether it be interested or informed, about the very deliberate choices made to make it the film that it is. It's good, not by accident. It's not just a hodgepodge of things we remember and songs we like. They went through through various um, different steps and went to various different ways to make this stand out as opposed to almost everything else we've seen Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and it, and it shows. Um, according to Seth Rogen, for every session we lumped people together. We really went out of our way to bend over backwards to try to capture that improvi- improvisational energy you get when a lot of people are in the same place at the same time. So uh, what do you think of the turtle, the turtle voices? Do you miss the do you miss the California surfer? Do you miss the Italian um, uh, uh, taxi driver? <laughs> hey, yo, wait. Actually, no. I kind <laughs> of really like the East New York urban turtles. Yeah. Like it it like I don't know, it felt not that it I don't want to say it felt authentic, because yes, it felt authentic, but also those kinds of turtles that we grew up with. No, nah, they're not in New York. It felt authentic. That's it. <laughs> it's gonna go. I'm, I hey, can't. I, I can't. I can't just sit here and lie to the good people of this podcast. It I finally it felt like the turtles were were what I expected my New York City turtles to be. But I can make a, a devil's advocate argument for the turtles spent most of their life watching TV in front of electronic stores under a sewer. If yeah, all you yeah. watch all day is reruns of Saved by the Bell, you're going to talk like Zach Morris. I can see that. Can Especially see that. if you have no other experience of humans outside of cable network television. Yeah. Meanwhile, uh, the uh, these turtles are watching Bing Bong on the, on the TikTok. <laughs> and, they're going, <laughs> and they're learning probably not the right lessons. 
<laughs> but I loved it. And I feel like Donnie is the one that sounds the most like a child child, uh, which is interesting. Um, but yeah, I, I, I super dug it. Uh, we can tell this isn't the first time our turtles have traversed the city, but they seem tired of hiding in the shadows. They decide to sneak over to an outdoor movie night in Brooklyn uh, while the news talks of a criminal mastermind named Superfly. The film is Ferris Bueller's Day Off, which makes the turtles long for a day they can be like, like Ferris and attend social gatherings, even hoping to enroll in high school one day. Um, going to the event actually makes the turtles sadder as they compare themselves with the humans that they see. When they get home, their mutated rat of a father, Splinter, played by Jackie Chan, gets on their case about being late. I thought that was also very well done. That longing, you know, seeing people. And I mean, I've done it when I was in high school. <laughs> At points, I was like, I wish I could be with the up there, up there. <laughs> like uh, South Park. It totally, uh, yeah. Totally. Like I, 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 I think they did a real good job helping us empathize. With no, that. yeah, it definitely did. Definitely did a great job with that. And I really just love a good drive-in, even though I've never actually been to one. Always wanted yeah. to go. Yeah. Um, so, oh, I just want to say here, in my opinion, I've now seen it twice, once in the theaters and second time for notes. One of the key players in this, one of the key uh, voice uh, performances in this is Jackie Chan. Jackie Chan had me rolling with his very unique <laughs> accent. His very and dare I say, and we've known this for years, the man has incredible comedic timing. Jackie Chan is incredibly good at his comedic timing, and that plus uh, some of the lines he was given as well, I mean that's the drunken master, bro. It's Rush Hour. It's um. Every every film that he did a comedic role in, and even his even his like Hong Kong cinema kind of films were had a, a comedic bend to them. Like he was never playing like a James Bond; he was always playing like a hapless, you know, uh, you know, nine to fiver who just happened to get caught up in everything. So I think yeah, he absolutely kills it. According to people who work on this film, Splinter's look was based on Danny DeVito. Don't know what that's about. That's weird. Uh, and Jeff Bridges, specifically his performance as the dude in the Big Lebowski. <laughs> uh, he was it, wearing a robe. And it turns out Jeff Rowe just wrote a letter to Jackie Chan requesting he play Master Splinter. And that was it. He, he signed on, got on board. Um, so he's like, why are you guys late? They lie poorly. So he reminds them why he warned them against humans in the first place. Tells the story again that he was a normal rat with no friends before he bumped into the turtles who had already been exposed to the mutant gin that fell into the sewers. He cleaned them up, which happened to expose himself to the mutant gin, and the ooze made them grow bigger than normal. He raised the turtles as his own, and after realizing that they were curious about the outside world, he attempts to bring them to Times Square. Everything goes well until Splinter, a four-foot-tall rat, bumps into a civilian who freaks out instantly. Suddenly... All the surrounding humans start to attack Splinter, causing him to drop the turtles who almost get hit by a car. He decides then in that moment to train his kids in, in ninjutsu in hopes that they can defend themselves against the evil humans. So much to say. So much to talk about. Um, first, I want to say, when I was talking about the Jackie Chan of it all and themes, there's a lot of the immigrant story in this, right? Coming to a place, hoping to kind of be 
accepted, knowing that you're a bit of an outsider, and all it takes is one bad situation for you to never come back out of your house again <laughs> or never, you know, socialize. No, again. literally. Literally, especially like people that are, I don't know what the phobia is called, but there's people that like can't leave their house. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like they're yeah, just yeah. afraid. Absolutely. And all it took was that one bad interaction for them to say, you know what? I think I'm just going to stay home. And as a parent, you got to think he's he's thinking of the of the kids first. You know, he's he, while it may sound crazy to shelter them for the entirety of their lives in the sewers, he really doesn't see any other alternative. And we'll talk about what happens when you don't see any alternative, which is a very also I think themes of the hood. I think in a lot of ways in the hood, sometimes you don't see alternatives. You only think there's only certain ways to live. And then you blink and you realize, oh, wait, I had options. <laughs> and next thing you know, you know, uh, you're, you're building some sort of big uh, mutagen machine or something. So I love when he talks about training the kids in ninjutsu because we get a push it to the limit montage. <laughs> I love the song Push It to the Limit because I think it's absolutely ridiculous and only created for a montage. Like, Push it to the, the limit. It has, it has no like it has I no like lyrical value. You can me like it has no lyrical value. It's literally just made so you can put clips together. I love oh, that it has that little in the gym flute pumping in it. iron. I, I love I love that little flute that it has in it um i i love it um and yeah we're seeing like like footage of like hong kong cinema which is also has its ties to new york because they used to show them them you know especially in harlem uh all those kind of think of, of wu-tang right wu-tang how influenced they are by a uh, hong kong cinema very new york um so they're watching clips of that but they're also watching like vhs and youtube tutorials on like <laughs> fighting with a bow staff or you know uh tiger showman's karate <laughs> infomercials or whatever the heck really really fun really really cool use of media um spencer says they don't need the outside world they need each other and he grounds the turtles uh elsewhere in the city we see a heist involving people working for superfly the criminals get away when their vehicle suddenly flies away they land in an abandoned ship on the shore and they are killed by Superfly who flew them there into the, in the first place. I think another MVP of this is Ice Cube, but we'll get to the, we'll get to that when we get to this, his, uh, debut. You want to call it, uh, his coming out party, if you will. Um, but, 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 so in true Zoomer fashion, the turtles try to shoot videos of them doing cool stuff on a roof. <laughs> They're basically trying to TikTok or whatever you want to call it. Um, but they accidentally throw a ninja star at a civilian below. Luckily, it only hit her bike helmet. But as she's looking for them, she gets her scooter stolen. Feeling responsible and using the power of turtle boners, Leonardo commands the turtles to help uh, him get it back. They track the thieves to a chop shop, but end up surrounded. The goons mistake them for Times Square Shreks and go on to beat on them but the turtles hand them their asses pretty f proficiently they celebrate but hide in the shadows when the girl they accidentally attacked earlier shows up she says she can see them so they reveal themselves and their backstory over some pizza does that what mean that they came out of the shadows out of the shadows out of the shadows I don't um, what do you think about, about what you, you think about leo and the power of owners 
Turtle yeah, it's good to see it that it's Leo this time because it's usually always somebody else. It's either Raph really, Mikey, or Mikey. I or feel just, like. Yeah, like Mikey. Mikey's always a sucker for love. Leo's too too cool for school for that. Um, And I was actually really happy because when we were playing uh, Shredder's Revenge, my nephew picked Leo. Leo's his favorite turtle. And I grew up for years and Leo wasn't anyone's favorite turtle because he was always like, come on, guys. Splinter said we got to go to bed. Well, I mean, he o'clock. snitched out his boys. <laughs> he snitched out his own brothers in the beginning of the movie. Yeah. So, yeah. like, I understand it. I understand why no one likes Leo. He gets better in this, though. He gets better in this. But I think it's possibly because of the power bone. <laughs> Jesus. This is a kid's movie, George. Listen, no, but I'm saying, but I think that also speaks to the growing up, right? When you're little, it's all about, like, evading blame. So if you could blame another sibling, you're totally down. But I think you get to a certain point in age with your siblings where you're like, we don't got to tell mom about this at all. Like, neither one of us has to be for blame. How about we both just not say anything? She don't know. We don't know. <laughs> That's it. And I think that we get here uh, with that, which I thought was pretty interesting. Um, What do you think of the April O'Neil design? Didn't bother me. What bothers me is that... I feel like it's going to bother somebody. Yeah, it's going to bother somebody. Didn't bother me. I didn't... I, it didn't take me out. I didn't care for it. There's not... There was... It's not a big deal. It's not the end of the world because she's a little chunky and black. You oh, no. upset that she wasn't in a, ra- a raincoat 24-7. <laughs> she was in her yellow jacket, though. So what else? Yeah, man. Like, they had her in the yellow jacket. She had red hair. You know? They also sort of breached this creative design in the latest animated series. Correct? Oh, no, I saw that in the Nickelodeon one with Jason Biggs as Leo. Did you know yeah. that? I don't know. It was Jason Biggs. One. I had no idea that it was Jason Biggs until recently. I'm like, wait a minute, Jason Biggs voices one of the turtles? This is just weird. Keep Leo from the pizza pies is all I'm gonna say. Keep Leo away. <laughs> I don't from want a hole in the pizza, pizza box, bro. I do not want a hole in the pizza box. It's all right? Jesus. Hey, the, movie's New for, York pie. the movie's for kids. This is uh this is all ages. <laughs> Major issues is all ages. But um, uh, my only concern about um april really and then it came full circle later which i'm like okay this is this is character art now i'm understanding to wait because this is character art was the fact that she couldn't be in front of the camera yeah and that she would puke but she was like an excellent reporter like still to the like it's like the it's like the the lowest lane of it all it's like yeah. they it's like they keep they make sure lois lane is like the greatest journalist ever but they always change this one key aspect about her that kind of like leaves a weird taste in your mouth but doesn't bother you because the aftertaste isn't so bad yeah and when you said that whole thing about april like i literally got goosebumps for the dumbest reason which is that there are multiple characters in this that get full realized arcs so much yeah realized arcs and usually it's only the main character or characters in this it would only be the turtles to realize something but shredder i mean shredder Shredder, sprinter gets a moment of realization that i thought was pretty profound um superfly uh the his gang gets a moment of clarity so does the turtles and then april comes full circle and i think that's what i think it's just that's what it is this movie is this movie is just a message on just being true to yourself and growth and growth growth what happens when you want to take on the world all comic book movies because at the end of the day this is a comic book movie Shouldn't this be all comic book movies, all superhero movies, when you have someone that is a hero? Shouldn't you have somebody that administers genuine growth instead of regression? 
So what I'll say to that is um, th it's one of the criticisms of comic books overall, which is the idea that if you're dealing with something like a Spider-Man or a Batman, something that's a huge IP, right? If you're writing on it, if you're directing on it, if you're the next person to do a movie on it, odds are you're going to start in the B of it all, you know? The origin and all that stuff has already been done, and you're not going to be allowed to kill these characters. So your job is primarily to dribble. You're never allowed to shoot. You're, you're supposed to dribble and pass it to the next person. And therefore, in situations like that, you don't get a lot of growth. People want status quo. They want the character as they know them, and they don't want much differentiating. Uh, the Turtles have always been shown to be fully realized and fully um, capable from the get in every iteration that we've gotten them. But this one, this one puts them so far behind the eight ball that we get to watch them get to get to become what they are and now even go further, in my opinion. Well, I and you know what? You know, and, I, God, I, I'm going to have to end up just I'm, I'm going to end up going to rewatch this movie. I'm going to end up seeing it. I'm off tomorrow. <laughs> I'm going to end up like rewatching this movie because I gave it five stars. But it's like I just want to just log it in letterboxed again and give it another five because, yeah, like there's. You're, you're speaking truth. Every time we have the Turtles, we have this fully realized team that knows what they have to do, knows who they are. They follow the, the teachings of their father as best as they can while still having their own flaws like any other sentient being with, with, with a humanistic conscience, you know. But yeah. seeing them as, it's it's like you say, it's like the Tom Holland of it. Getting to see our Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles as teenagers, because mm -hmm. they don't feel like teenagers in the nineties one. No, in the nineties oh, they don't early twenties. They, <laughs> they they don't feel like teenagers in in or they don't feel like the teenagers that that we would expect or like that we envisioned in the Michael Bay ones. I think that I think Michael Bay is like college age. I think we were moving a little bit back. Back, it, back, it felt like 18 year olds like mikey definitely felt like an 18 year old yeah and like, he was like 21 rough right 20 yeah. you know like they're in that they're yeah. in that age bracket but getting to see like our turtles like talk and exasperate the way actual 14 year olds do was yeah. great we outside we outside oh we're gonna it's get lit, to that even when we even when they did that when they got april's scooter back um, you know, Donnie at one point just gets like an existential crisis about like, wait, why do I only have a stick? <laughs> like, it just dawned on him that the only thing he's ever been trained in, the only thing he has to defend himself is a stick. Uh, and he like freaks out about it. <laughs> it's, it's pretty funny because, yeah, he becomes a child in that moment. Wait, what am I supposed to do with this? Really, really funny stuff. Um, so the girl is introduced as April O'Neil, who tells her that while she's one of the good ones, most people would be terrified of mutants unless they knew that they were there to help. The turtles one decide of the good that if ones. They, one of the good ones. Uh, the turtles decide that if they can capture super criminal Superfly, it would be good PR for their cause and could turn the tide when it comes to public perceptions of them. April agrees to help them find Superfly as she too is hoping to change people's minds by writing a great story and one about Superfly could do that for her. The city is also uh, has also threatened a curfew if Superfly cannot be found in time, which would mean that her prom doesn't get to kick off. She wants to save that for her uh, classmates. We'll find out why in a bit. They take her number and agree to become crime fighters so they can win the hearts and minds of the people. The example that they use as somebody else who's done the same is Mark Ruffalo <laughs> as the Hulk in Endgame. And then I was like, 
is Endgame too niche of a is Endgame too niche of a uh you know reference? And I'm like, two billion people saw Endgame. I'm pretty sure that's a that's a that's a pretty safe reference to make. Didn't they make a Snyder Cut joke in this? They might have. No, no, no. The Snyder pretty... Cut thing I think is in Barbie. I heard. Oh no, the bar- no, it was Barbie. That was the Snyder Cut joke. <laughs> yeah, I heard the Snyder Cut. I haven't seen Barbie, but I heard the Snyder Cut joke is in Barbie. Uh, that but, and you know, the bear. Make, yeah, they make they make the whole Hulk Endgame like uh, dab doing dabs with kids and, and, and getting autographs. Yep. Yes, I remember that joke. Yep. Um, and they know Mark Ruffalo played the Hulk, which is also funny because in their universe they know the actors who played those movies. But Paul, that's so it's funny. gonna be funny with Paul Rudd being the voice of um... Ant Man. Yeah, he's Ant Man and he's Mondo Gecko in this. Mondo Gecko. Mondo Gecko. Leo um, hesitantly agrees to keep Splinter in the dark about all this. They call April and confirm the plan to stop Superfly. And this is when the line or the word Riz gets said. And that's when I was like, oh, this is for this next generation, man. He's like, I thought you said I didn't have no Riz. <laughs> they talking about Riz trying to talk to uh, April on the phone. I'm sitting there dying, bro. So funny. So no, crazy. this movie had me laughing more than I actually thought this movie was going to make me laugh. Like, I thought I was going to enjoy the, the heart. Like, I really expected a good heart. I expected an enjoyable time with the action and the voicing. But I did not expect to actually laugh the way this movie made me laugh. My favorite callback is the milking and the nipples. I love I love that they just kept bringing that back around. Check off nipples. I think the milking, you don't have nipples. Dad, they're not going to milk us. We don't even have nipples. <laughs> all, all that. Um, April gives them a tour of the school and explains why it's so important for her to write the Superfly story. Um, she w- was trying to pursue a uh, career as a reporter and thought the best thing to do before she did any of that was read the announcements in her high school. So she decided to do so. But the second that she decided to do so, she... Um, got very nervous, stage fright, and ended up throwing up all over the place, uh, and uh, b- went viral, was affectionately called Puke Girl, um, and that's basically how all her classmates see her. But in oh, true Puke comedic... O'Neal, I think it was? Yeah, was one of those. yeah Puke O'Neal. Was it locker, like Puke O'Neal? But in true comedic fashion, like, I'm not a big fart joke person. Like, it doesn't really pop me like fart and poop and throw up and stuff like that what popped me in this is for some reason they end up playing that unwritten song <laughs> underneath yeah <laughs> so it's like really feel the rays on your skin and she's just throwing up i don't know why the juxtaposition of that like very empowering she's <laughs> releasing her inhibitions man <laughs> yeah she released something all over that table hilarious again um, another funny moment, Michelangelo decides he's going to sign up for improv. <laughs> he's like, well, you know, this is not going to start anytime soon. So I'll just sign up for improv. Oh, wait, what's our last name? We don't have last names. <laughs> and that's a line from like, that's a line that speaks to me. Cause I'm always talking about like, well, they can't call Shazam Shazam because it'll be, like, I'm always talking about last name, Mario, Mario, Luigi, Mario kind of stuff. So I thought that was really funny. And then Michelangelo was like, oh, well, I can make a, my last name because I could just be Michelangelo. Hey, I'm Michelangelo. And then they're like, wait, you'd be Leo Nardo. Ha, huh? Nardo. And they start making fun of him for being Nardo. He's like, I could be Leonardo. No, no didn't they mess with um, Don? Or I don't think they messed with Don Tello, but 
They they met. They should have messed with Donatello with the Donatello. Yeah, you gonna be Donna. That's the yes. You gonna or go as Donna. Be Don, or you can be Don Atello. Atello. Don yep. Atello. <laughs> but but the way that they were cracking on him for Nardo is so high school. It's so kids. <laughs> Nardo. <laughs> Nardo. And that's when he's like, yeah, but at least I'm not puke girl. I'm like, bro, you just. Killed all your is one 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 no. moment, bro. No spatial no awareness. <laughs> no. And cause I know he didn't know that it was April, but like it was just like womp womp. Yeah, yeah, you, you killed it all there. Uh, she then shows them her crime wall, where she's deduced that Superfly is stealing tech for some machine. She gives the turtle some leads uh, to the men that work with him, and through a very fun and possibly my favorite part of the movie. Uh, that no diggity, no doubt montage of them taking on like five different crime syndicates at the same time. Oh, yeah, because you know, intercut with each, intercut with each other. So like they would start by fighting one. It felt and, special. Yeah, it was stylistic. It's, a, it's, it's your hero montage. Not just that it's, it's it stylistic and it has the editing and like that we've seen, but it just like you just know it's our hero montage. Yeah, it's just our hero fighting or fighting crime, taking down bad guys. Like we've seen it in Spider Man so many times, Superman so many times, and yeah. it's great to just see it done here. And then again, selfishly, I'm loving all of the '90s hip hop, R and B, everything that's being played. So they play no so diggity, urban. no doubt. I'm like, what are we doing out here? And again, like they would do a circle shot, and as they're doing the circle shot, the background is changing as they're in each different headquarters or lair um they would go like they would show mikey taking down some people and cut to then donnie taking down some people and they're good at this they've never they've never put their minds to being crime fighters this is the first time they've ever considered doing any of this the only time they would ever use their ninjutsu is to to get supplies um and they seem to really enjoy helping people taking down baddies and they seem to be really really good at it so I thought that was a cool layer to add as to why they would want to continue uh, doing such a thing. Um, only one of these goons spills the beans and tells them that they are set to meet Superfly tonight and give him some tech under the threat of death. They decide to go in that guy's place. Um, I kind of liked, and maybe this is just me reading into it, but I kind of liked that every time, like, well, I think it was one of the goons. I think it was only a scene. Where the, where the goons like, hey, look at the bad masks. And I'm like, okay, this is kind of just like commentary on the 90s. Yeah. Jim Henson designs, unfortunately. Also like, hey, I would never talk. But if I was to talk, <laughs> I would say. <laughs> like, oh, man. But this is when we, this is when the movie hugs me. Again, like I, I right now, I like the movie. The movie like likes me, right? So the movie's trying to, uh, he's trying to butter me up here and there. But they leave, um, you know, they, they finish their last area. They tell April the information that they got. I love that they go, were you filming us? And she goes, am I supposed to be filming you guys all the time? Because sometimes some of the things you guys do are just very dumb. <laughs> and that's when they start the, yeah, you got to be filming us all the time. Come on. I be out there with my puffs and my Tim's bacon, egg, and cheese, bacon, egg, and cheese, bacon, egg, and cheese. Hey, yo, Ock, yeah. let me get a bacon, egg, and cheese. <laughs> when they say, yo, Ock, I... Bro, on the ground, on the ground. My nephew don't know why I'm laughing so hard. And I'm already on the ground. Tim's, it has already been said. Bacon, egg, and cheese has already been said. Puff They're saying we outside. We're saying we outside. Puff jacket, I'm laughing. When they start going, you're, you're out. That, I was like, yep, nope. 
sit right next to me, movie. We we in love now. We I like like you now. We 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 on the same. <laughs> they saying your your Mikey's twerking for no reason in the middle. <laughs> and then they go like, I think April says something like, "That all sounds really really dumb." And it gets quiet for a second, and they go, "Bacon, egg, and cheese, bacon, egg, and cheese." Oh, <laughs> uh, again, that to me is such a niche reference. You know, I hope oh, yeah. around the world that, that that's gotten, but New Yorkers from New York City have always been about their Tims. The joke is bacon, egg, and cheese is one word. Bacon, egg, and cheese, salt, pepper, ketchup is one word. You oh, know, it, don't forget on a roll. Your is like, I think, you know, so all of that being put in this, I was like, I'm a sucker. You got me. Like, I didn't think you would get me like that, but yeah, I got me. Something so simple. Dare I say, Dan, the comic book man. I felt seen. Dare I say it? I felt seen. For a second in time, people were talking like me and how my friends talk and how my friends bully each other and bullshit with each other. And uh, I didn't think I was going to get that in this film. And all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, so they're one of us. Okay. That feels great. I guess that's what that means, right? I guess that's what, what everybody hopes for, uh, to feel seen, get a little bit of representation in a film like this. But... Our heroes get an emergency text from Splinter. I'm already bugging out because in almost every iteration, Splinter gets like kidnapped and beat the hell out of. <laughs> so when they get this emergency text, I'm like, oh no, this is this not spell well for the rat. But when he when they arrive, my man Splinter set up a surprise pizza party in hopes that they don't feel too sheltered in the sewers. Uh, it's a sweet gesture, but the turtles got Superfly on their mind. But he even brought all three Chris's to the party, bro. Chris Pine, Chris Pratt, <laughs> and Chris Evans. Although he has the nerve to say that Chris Pine is the best Chris. Would you like to weigh in? Everybody knows it's Pratt. Like it's Pratt. I mean, I, I I might be partial to Evans. See, see, see what we see what we we landed on this. I might be a little bit partial to Evans. So uh, we got three different opinions. Evans was the great man. Okay. Evans yeah, isn't Gray Man. Evan wasn't Gray Man, but but Pratt's with a Schwarzenegger now. Now he's all running through the forest talking to God. Or something. He is <laughs> yeah, that was the thing that I found out that he's not because he has like two daughters, I think. Yeah. With Anna Ferris. But he has one and he was cut because he was telling a story about smoking a cigar with Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'm like why was this man smoking a cigar with Arnold Schwarzenegger? Why was this man holding Arnold Schwarzenegger's granddaughter? What is going on? It's a Schwarzenegger and now, bro. I looked it up, and I'm like, wait, did you marry Kate Schwarzenegger? What? She should have took the last Arnold name, bro. That's Chris Schwarzenegger. <laughs> Put that on a movie poster. Um, so, yeah, hilarious. What do you think about this? This gesture. What do you think about this? This this party Splinter threw for his kids. Well, you, did you did you can could you see the merit in it, or is this was this another like Kamala's dad dressing up like the Hulk kind of situation? No, no, boy, hey, no, no. I'm not one of those people about Kamala's dad. Apu was was great when Apu came busting in like I chapate. Yeah. Nah, man. Kamala's dad is one of the greats. Kamala's dad is one of the goats. I love that man. I did feel kind of bad for Splinter in this moment, though. At least there was effort there. Like, whether or not it was what his kids actually wanted, 
who knows but like he he's trying he can he can feel the grip loosening between him and them no of course but it, you know but that's what you know what it's it is one of those emotional relatable moments where you're like damn i've done this i know you have to have done it yourself too we've all have had those moments where all your parents wanted was just that that one day with you just this one little moment this one party this one dinner and you are like hey listen i got to go out with my friends yeah and it makes them feel alone it makes them have that crushing realization of empty nest yeah the word that the kids are not going to be around forever as they go and try to find their own identities in this crazy world that we already know parents know are dangerous so they're not necessarily really quick about wanting to let them go out and explore that kind of thing um they lie about doing more errands but spencer can tell he's being lied to that always gets me in a film when the parent knows and you're still you know you're still biting your tongue and trying to grit through that lie um i'm like come on guys like he's your he's your dad he knows something um he reminds them that he's there in case they need anything and they pretend to leave on another errand run instead of running errands the turtles take their piece of stolen tech and meet Superfly under the Brooklyn Bridge, discovering that he is not only a mutant himself, but the leader of a mutant gang. What an introduction to a character. We get, is it, is, what is the name of that song? Let me see if I can find it. I just don't want to get it wrong. Is it Wake Up in the Sky? It is Wake Up in the Sky, right? I think so. I'm about to find out, right? Yep, yep, yep. Wake up in this guy, which totally fit him. I love the car. I love the look. I love Ice Cube's voice acting in this. Oh, I, he's I great. Don't know. He encaptures the hood dude in a way I don't think I've ever seen before. <laughs> but he's also kind of in a way. Um, he's ruined like his um. What's the word I'm looking for? His intimidation tactics with 21 Jump Street and 22 Jump Street and, yeah. you know, like this fight, because now you're and the host, yeah, right along because now you're just a guy that that looks intimidating and sounds intimidating. But you make me laugh. Even the and other we, one. What's the, what's the fight one with Charlie Day? Fist fight. Did we say that? Yep. Yeah. OK. Yeah. That one. Because um, every every word out of his mouth it, in my head, I just kept replaying. Infiltrate the dealer, find the supply. <laughs> but that's still funny. The, his delivery of like <laughs> Korean Jesus and all that. I love. I love. I love when they make him say something ridiculous in a very menacing way. <laughs> no, one, that's why one of my favorite, probably my favorite delivery in Ice Cube's history of acting is from Twenty Two Jump Street when he finds out his daughter's with uh, Jonah Hill, and then he just bugs out at the buffet. He's like, "What y'all? What y'all yeah. ration around here?" What's up? Look me up. He starts grabbing food and starts serving himself. So good. Um, oh, he's great here. So, great villain. He sees them and goes, y'all some tortoises. Little tortoises. <laughs> okay, I'm cracking up. I'm like, what a... Just, just, just that line. There's nothing wrong with that line. But just his delivery. Like, oh, damn. Y'all some little tortoises. I was cracking no, up. No, no. There's, there is something about that Yasumo tortoises that is <laughs> you know, funny, but it just sounds like so like demeaning. And then the song played, and I think I thought they were just playing it because it was like contemporary. But the thing says, you know, I'm super fly, you know, I'm super fly. And I was like, oh, this is so cool. 
Um, so ecstatic to meet fellow mutants, the turtles bond with Superfly and the others as he explains they were created by Stockman, evading TCRI and living in an abandoned ship in Staten Island. So here is the rundown. John Cena plays Rocksteady. Seth Rogen plays Bebop. Rose Byrne plays Leatherhead. Uh, I love that it, uh, Leatherhead is Australian. And also, at one point, cooks a blooming onion. <laughs> it shows our vast knowledge of Australian cuisine when we pick an Outback Steakhouse <laughs> meal for the Australian to cook. But I'll leave it there. Uh, Natasha Dimitriou is Wingnut. Paul Rudd is Mondo Gecko. Post Malone is Ray Filet, another favorite of mine. I love Ray Filet. I love that Ray just wants to sing. Yeah, no, he he was funny, but unfortunately, Paul Rudd stole this entire movie. He was. He was Paul, we have Genghis Frog and and Scumbug also is the last one, who was a blend of different voices, but credited uh, Alex Hirsch. Uh, Genghis Frog is Hannibal Buress. But yeah, I I I I really liked Mondo Gecko with Mikey. I can see Mikey getting the surfer stuff from Mondo. Hundred percent. They would hang and it would kind of like rub off on him a little bit. But what do you think about this cast of characters? Um, great because they were actually original. I'm a sucker for original characters. Like they, unless they're from the comics, and you know that they're from the comics. They're from the comics. There's no way they're from the comics. So I, I will crazy. say, I will say this. Um, we played through a bit of Shredder's Revenge, paused it, watched the film, came back. When we came back, we faced off against Wingnut at one point, Leatherhead at one point. Um, I want to say uh, we saw Genghis Frog. So th- these are all original characters. Uh, Mondo too. Yeah. And I want to say they were probably the most seen or introduced or indoctrinated to the folks in that 87 cartoon. So would this be one of like the most faithful adaptations to the event we ever got? So it it's it it's taking a lot of what was in the original Mirage comic and it's taking primarily a lot of what was in that 87 run, which the 87 run was inspired by the Mirage stuff. It was just kidified because they were trying to sell toys. So they basically rubbed the smooth edges off of the cartoon, brought that over, and then brought in the grittiness of the uh, original comic. And it's that amalgamation here. But as you can see, they've already made changes to the uh, origin story. We don't see, um, you know, to our knowledge, Splinter and Shredder have no connection. Uh, as, of right now, as, of, as of right now, there's no Daredevil, <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> we, we unlocked Casey Jones in the game, but I don't see Casey Jones here. So there's still a lot of time for this stuff to be set up, which I think is pretty cool. I would if, like, I don't know if I want this to get a sequel because, you know, I think like this as a standalone is like a perfect Turtles movie. It, it genuinely this is like my, this is my second favorite Turtles movie. Well, it might, it might really be my favorite. It's just, you know, as much as I like to, I like to joke on it. That '90s turtles, that that 1990 turtle is pure actual magic. It's it's for what our limitations were. I think we did a pretty damn good job in that film. Um, I think we did an amazing I, job, and it still holds up to this day. Yeah, and all I wanted from that film here was heart, and I think we got that. So that and, worked. And, and- we got um, to get the Raffi and Leo rivalry without being annoying and in the way. Yeah. 
Yeah, without being like they were competitive, but they weren't like hatred towards each other. Also, like I felt like they in a lot of the other iterations, their rivalry will get in the way of them just saving the day. And then we might get to that point later on, but it, we didn't we didn't get that here. Um, we and we actually got to see this. There's a lot of side jokes about them joking that Leo's the leader. And that he's, you know, that he gets them into a bunch of stuff. But eventually, when it gets to the point where he needs to buck up as a leader and he needs to delegate, he definitely does. And the turtles are better for it. So I really, really like that as well. Um, so they ask him about, you know, his, his background and stuff like that. And the turtles decide that they are going to, you know, they want to find out more about him and about, more about the other mutants. So Superfly takes them to a bowling alley and tells his story. Um, in the bowling alley, they're playing uh, ODB's "I Like It Raw," which I'm like again, like <laughs> what's how cool. And they're just they're in a they're in a uh, bowling alley arcade, basically. Like again, a very '90s place to be, a very cool place where teenagers would want to hang out. And he tells his story. Like the turtles, they were attacked by society when they revealed themselves. They were eventually chased down by someone who wanted to kill them. The turtles explain the same thing happened to them, which is why they hide. And again, perfect, perfect, perfect voice acting. He, they're like, yeah, oh my God, you were chased and they wanted to kill you too? Well, us too, and that's why we hide. And Superfly goes, man, that sounds like a punk choice. <laughs> I ain't hide. You know what I did? I molly them. That's <laughs> all these people. He said Molly Wop. I'm sitting there going, yo, this movie is out of control. He's like, I straight Molly Wop that fool. <laughs> and he basically killed him. <laughs> so uh, uh, fast forward to the present day and we find out that the very bitter Superfly has stolen TCRI technology to weaponize the ooze in order to mutate all wildlife on the planet into the new dominant species and either kill, enslave, or even make pets of humanity. Um, which is so basically the same plot from Amazing Spider-Man. Yes, that was, that's what I and said. And also theory. from uh, Incredibles, a little bit, right? Once everybody's one thing, then for all mutants, yeah, want, and there's no mutants. Every, which is also yep, it was also the same thing with the mutants with the with the um, Charles, not Charles, yeah. with the Eric. Oh yes, 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 you're right. The and they all want to do it in New York because they got the highest towers and stuff. Yo, that's crazy. I'm trying to transform us. <laughs> Damn it. New York is its own greed. Go to Jersey. You mess with one of us, you mess with all of us. And we get a moment like that in here, which is also freaking great. New York got its own continuity too, bro. Like, you got to keep New York continuity down. <laughs> so. Bacon and cheese. <laughs> when the turtles seem hesitant about the plan and i love they're like so superfly like what if like hypothetically speaking we weren't down and he like turns around he's like well that'll piss me off and i was like oh, shit. he makes it pretty obvious that they aren't if they aren't with him they're against him um and they make a great point to make him seem menacing i mean we saw him kill basically alluded that he killed people uh early on so the turtles know that this is a dangerous man um so they try to pretend to be down to buy themselves some time. They put in a vehicle with some of Superfly's men, but they sabotage the trip in hopes of keeping the tech uh, from getting into the wrong hands. This is when, again, comedically, they decide to play four non-blondes. What's going on? 
that incredibly like with with high pitches that a normal human shouldn't be able to hit. But yo, she hits those she hits those pitches, bro. And I wake in the morning and I step outside. <laughs> it's a great song. Right. What do you think it's about amazing. that moment though? Them singing them them in the car singing it. Mikey oh, trying was, to use his stick to to press the <laughs> the the brake pedal. The first thing I said was, "Oh my god." That is how you do Easter eggs to something that we know that's iconic and classic without giving it to us overtly. And that was the turtle van. Yeah. They gave us the they gave us the turtle van. They did they the even same give thing us a version it. of the pizza van when later on. They give us like another version of it when they get when they grab the pizza van later on, too. Yeah. 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 Both of them. So we we got to have that turtle van. And they did it without giving it to us like they already had it. And it kind of reminded me, like, in Captain America First Avenger, when he was using the trash can lid. And the trash can lid said, like, American Company Co. And it had the star, had on, star it. on it. Yeah. Oh, no, no, it wasn't the trash can door. lid. It was, it was a door. Taxi. It was a taxi's door. Yeah. Yeah. And it said Taxi Co. NYC. And it had the star. It gives you it. the familiar imagery you're used to. But it still yes. tells you, we got to get there. We're not there yet. But you're you're already kind of seeing. But hey, look, we're recognizing it. We know you want to see it, and we might give it to you eventually. So just be patient, and it's beautiful. This is and also I'm a when. Tasting. Oh yeah, this is this is also when uh, Ice Cube says the line. I don't know why it surprised me, but he says the line. See you in hell, turtles, <laughs> and then he flies away. How did he just say? He's going to see these turtles. They're like about the 13 year old turtles. <laughs> see what his, dude turtles. Quoting his, his dude was quoting his own music, and I was yeah, just he was. laughing. He would just pop up and just say, like, damn it, dude. 6 a.m. knocking at your door. <laughs> yeah. I, was like, I was like, yeah. <laughs> really cool stuff. And he's like, he's body whopping me with my own stick. <laughs> um, though, they, though they try, um, they end up, the uh, gang escapes with the equipment while a tracker allows TCRI to capture the turtles. And again, in another moment where I'm like, that's a bit harsh. The the rifle butt to Leo. Like, <laughs> yeah, they just popped him in the face with I was the like, rifle. damn. So. And, uh, and then we're, we're here, right? Yeah, because this is, this is when this movie starts turning into a horror film where I'm like, okay, I don't think kids should be watching this this is kind of dark yeah because the turtles awaken and they're restrained and plugged into a machine cindia ultram shows up and explains her plan to drain the turtles of their mutant gin rich blood cynthia ultron (laughs) uh effectively milking them right the one thing they were warned against this entire time and no their explanation behind it where it's like Oh man, this is ironic. Our dad told us so. This is like scary, but also at the same time, kind of cool. They're just like, "Oh, are we being milked? We're being milked." Oh, he yeah. was right. We're being milked. <laughs> yeah, because because it sounded so ridiculous to them that this would happen. It sounds like <laughs> it sounds like when a, when a parent tells you a boogie a boogie story, a boogeyman story to not go outside, right? Oh, don't go outside. They'll they'll rob you. They'll they'll stab you. You know, they'll beat you up just for looking different. And then if you went outside, and that's the first thing that happens. You're like. Damn, I, I guess that was, I guess they were right. Once? This is some kind of Wednesday. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100%. So that happens. And here. the and- screaming in pain, and I'm just like, oh, wait a minute. No, this is kind of like, this is starting to get sad because, like, I'm a, I'm a sucker for, I, I have empathy at the end of the day. I'm a very empathetic person, but I also have this weird tendency to throw 
myself into characters. So like if you if you tell me that these are the teenage mutant ninja turtles, my head's not gonna go to 18, 19, 17. My head's gonna think these are 13-year-old kids, 14-year-old kids, 15 at the max. So seeing like, you know, like kids essentially dying, I'm just like, damn, this yeah. is this is just this is crazy. Um, and she's gonna take their blood and make an army of super soldiers. Very, very par for the course. You know, get the super soldiers blood right. and make more super soldiers. Uh, meanwhile, Splinter is at home listening to Lonely, <laughs> wondering where he went wrong with his with his sons. Again, uh, I'm I'm feeling I'm feeling for the man right now, man. Like I'm really feeling for him. But he's going through that. And he's all sad. April shows up. He's like, "Yo, watch out! I'll bite you." Again, Jackie Chan's hilarious in this. And April basically shows up and explains that the turtles have been captured. Um, the 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 milking is rough. Because they are in pain and they are crying out in pain. But what this movie manages to do in a way that no other film managed ever is even in this moment, while they're, you know, restrained and they are in pain, the turtles try to comfort each other. They try to comfort each other as brothers. Oh, that was that was one of my favorite parts, especially when, you know, when Raph's like, I don't want to die. And the last thing I see is you guys. And then later, while they're all actually dying, he's like, you know, I know I said that, but, you know, I'm kind of glad that you guys are who I'm dying with. I'm like, these are my boys. These are my brothers. These are boys, they're, man. They're, they're like, Mikey, just just try to think of, of something else. Think of pizza. No, because pizza has milk in it. And <laughs> I'm being milked. And you know, it's, it's, it's creeping into everything I think of. And then they, um, for Donnie, they try to sing BTS. To calm him down, but no one knows any other words. <laughs> like this is family. This is love. Like oh my god, I, I was my heart was full because again, even at, at the brink of death, they're trying to. It's not all is lost. They're trying to. They're trying to help each other out. They're trying well, to even if out. all is lost, at least all is lost together. Yeah, Toy Story. You know, you're not Toy Story three. Not, <laughs> yeah, because like you know, you're not dying alone, scared and confused. Yeah. You know, you're, you're, you're with the only three other people that you've known your entire life. And it's mm -hmm. your brothers. It's I'm a sucker for family. And that's why they bring up the things that they know that those people could, it could distract them. BTS could distract Donnie if they knew the words, <laughs> you know, but they try, they try. I think that that's, that's worth it. Um, luckily, Splinter shows up and tries to get his sons back peacefully, but they call him the R word. They call him Ratatouille. And that it was just one, one, one disgrace too far. Not That's not even made... his name. It's the name no. of the dish. <laughs> that is true. What is the mouse's name? Remy. It is Remy. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, Ratatouille so... is the dish that made the. Yeah. Go ahead. That thing's good. That thing's. That, that thing is uh, becoming a pop culture phenomenon because you got uh, raccoon tui or whatever in uh, everything everywhere. Raccoonie. Rakakuni or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, so not one to be made fun of. Splinter expertly takes down all the guards using his son's weaponry, which I thought was pretty cool because he would know how to use all that stuff. Um, and he frees them. He scolds them for like being right, right? He scolds them because he's like, this is you, like I told you not to leave this or you would be I built. I and you left and, and then he says i'm like were they milking you and they're like no uh, uh, and then the machine's called like the master milker 3000 or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> he's like they are they were milking you guys 
<laughs> really, really funny stuff. But he now is digging his heels into the sand. Now he was actually proven right. So he's like, you know what? We're gonna go stop Superfly. April, thanks for everything, but you good. You're benched. We're not hanging out with any humans. We're gonna go handle this ourselves. Cause he, you know, he's been proven right. Like th these humans will do this kind of stuff to you. So um, they go to Superfly's headquarters to stop him and the machine. It turns out Superfly's gang isn't necessarily down with human genocide. And I love that how Mondo Gecko puts it because I can, this whole thing, and again, maybe I've been doing this too long. We're coming closer to 300 episodes. So sometimes I put magnifying glasses on when I don't need them. Uh, this, the whole Superfly gang thing felt like gang shit. It felt like what happens when a bunch no, of been, people. It's been done. It's yeah. been actually like that has been done like training day. Yeah. It was done in training day. Yeah, you can see why people join gangs. They don't feel right in the normal world. They don't feel like they have the support or a family. Somebody shows up that sounds authoritative and says, it's not your fault. It's everybody else. Come through, you know? And when Mondo Gecko says, like, I, you know, like, I, yeah, I was down to kill humans, but I thought we didn't have any other choice. And now that we met these turtles, like, I'm kind of down not to kill humans. And it's like, how many people if shown a real family, if shown, you know what I'm saying? Like not the superficialness of the hood, but shown like real connections, uh, you know, real support but it's also kind of would change. Superfly raised them the same way Splinter raised the turtles. Like, yeah, he was, he, they, those, those are the ones that survived when Baxter's Stockman's place blew up. hundred percent. And they betrayed him because they just think he's gone too far. And there's some parallels to Splinter there. Yeah, we'll get to no, it. No, yeah, when they, were do when they were doing that, and I was going to mention it, I just couldn't remember if we were there yet, but when they were showing the parallels of, like, what Superfly was saying and Splinter seeing that that's what he was essentially telling his own boys was teaching them, you know, to fight bigotry with bigotry. It's like, yeah, damn. It, you could almost hear, like, Leo or Mikey saying, what, should I have let them drown? And Splinter's like... Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe that's the worst thing to say. And Maybe. I love that so movie. I'm watching this movie now where I know that our protagonists are meant to be heroes, but their father believes if they expose themselves to the world, that the world will take them, experiment on them, kill them. And I know better. I know that if they showed their true selves, their true hearts to the world, that they will be accepted. Not everyone will accept them, but majority will for their spirit. So I need him in my mind at, at this time in the film, I need him to know that a tornado to come. <laughs> yeah, I need a tornado to come. I need a tornado or tornado or moment of clarity, bro. You either gotta go or you gotta change because I see how this works. I know how this goes down. You know, I have seen the future. It is inevitable. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry, Yogi. So. <laughs> uh, they managed to pin him down to the machine when he repeatedly. When he repeats something Splinter says earlier in the film, a.k.a. the only way to keep you guys safe and happy is to listen to me. And all of a sudden, Splinter's like, oh, that's how I sound? <laughs> I sound like a crazy uh, mutated fly man. So, um, and then he asks for Splinter's help. He says, hey, old man, help me out. I know you hate humans just as much as I hate humans, but you're just too much of a punk. <laughs> and Splinter says, only don't say cube. that. <laughs> And Spencer says, don't say that to me. And then he pushes him into the machine. Uh, 
And the machine malfunctions. It explodes, plunging itself and Superfly into the ocean. And I love through exposition by Mondo Gecko. He goes, so what do you think happens if you <laughs> If the mutant goes in there and all the mutant gen goes into the water and all the animals in the water, what do you think is going to happen? And uh, yeah, we see that the ooze combined with Superfly and other nearby wildlife into a gigantic whale-shaped kaiju. He has like giraffes and horses attached to him. And that, again, with his delivery, he's like, oh, I got a giraffe on my forehead. I got horses on my legs. No, the best is when they go, when they go to shoot the reverse thing at him and it only takes out one horse he's like oh man i got like 50 more <laughs> yeah he's like oh that was just one horse <laughs> <laughs> oh commitment to the bit bro commitment to the bit um so uh, he heads towards the city like a mutated godzilla and spencer tells his boys he was wrong and he will help them take down superfly and get that footage of them being heroes so they can be beloved superfly's gang decides to help him out too as they try their best to save the city, they are mistaken as uh, villains because they are mutants too. You want to talk to this moment where they see themselves on the uh, in the Times Square screens being called mutants? Uh, you can really see the inspiration of Spider-Man a lot in this movie. Not just Spider-Verse, but I mean like the overall narrative of what we've gotten in the... Not just the comics, but a lot of the live action too, where it's like, no matter what I do, no matter how hard I try, the city hates me. And yeah. look at it here. We're on C but we're we're on CNN. We're on we're on the largest TV screen in public on Times Square with mutants versus mutants and mutants this and that and that. And it's like, damn. Yeah. And it's it's it and that is where we're a lot we're, we're like what you say speaks to how a hero what defines the difference between a hero and a villain? You know, at that moment, they could have literally looked at Superfly and said, you know what? They're never going to accept us. Even if we try to, even if we die trying to stop you, they won't accept us. We could just join you or yeah. we're going to do it anyways because it's the right thing to do. Even if they hate us, they will hate us while they're protected. It's a, it's a simplistic, uh, you know, sort of theme that I've said is tied to every superhero and supervillain story. The idea that both are people responding to trauma in different ways. Uh, literally the same trauma, right? Superfly uh, deals with the same trauma that the turtles do. The turtles say, well, I don't want no one else to feel how we felt. And Superfly says, I want everyone to feel how we felt <laughs> because of how we felt. Um, big moment there. I, I definitely got moments of, uh, you know, when they out uh, Electro. And he's all over the screens and he's looking around. He's like, damn, I guess this is all I am. <laughs> they lie to me. They nod at me. <laughs> anyway, um, it makes me sad to see them sad. Now I'm invested, right? So when they see that and their heads droop and they're all like down on themselves, I'm like, I'm feeling bad. I'm like, damn, you really, but through something April says, they kind of realize the entire reason why they're going after Superfly in this moment is no longer for the fans' support. They're going to do it because it's the right thing to do. Initially, they were only going to do it so that people could like them, but they realized that they were going in it for the wrong reasons. It's not about what they deserve. It's about what you believe. Which is another favorite uh, comic book line, a uh, comic book movie line from Wonder Woman that I believe should stand true in most comic book stories. And only love so, to save the world. 
yeah, maybe humanity doesn't deserve saving, as what the, Chris Pine says, right? <laughs> Chris Pine's like, I don't know, maybe maybe we're doomed. I don't, I don't, I don't freaking know. Like, <laughs> but we're flawed. Like we we are. We're imperfect, and that's that's what it all comes down to. Um. So, oh, and Mr. Beast was in this. I should probably say that somewhere down the line. He was one of the people who yelled at the turtles in uh, Times Square. That's just hilarious. Um, Superfly grabs the turtles. And yeah, <laughs> super. Because like you said, they figure out that they have a, a canister of anti mutant elixir. And so. Uh, April has a gun with this in it. They go and they shoot his leg, but only one animal falls off. So every, all hope is lost. They can't seem to figure this whole thing out. Um, Superfly grabs him with his little pincher claw and starts to crush them. Their turtle, their their oh, shells start to crack. The pincher claw. Yeah, it has to be the crusher claw then. The other crusher claw. I don't think he claw. had a pincher claw. I think he just had a crusher claw. <laughs> but um, you saw the shells breaking. Yeah. I'm like, damn, you're gonna get to the gooey no, center of the turtle pies. <laughs> no, that was actually that was actually the moment where I cringed. Not even at the milking, like when he squeezed on him and you see like the shell on the back of the shell like just start crushing. I'm just like, oh, oh, like this this is not good. You're essentially breaking their bones. Yeah. To make it That's... red. Fee fi fo fum. <laughs> I was speaking in giants. That's what we yeah. do. Yeah. Um this um so another thing is the canister falls and it fall, uh Sprinter falls with it and he's too hurt to get up and get this to the turtles and somebody runs up on him and he instantly has PTSD like army PTSD. He sees everybody who's ever attacked him. He's like, "Oh my god, it's about to go down again." But um a civilian voiced by Kevin Eastman, co-creator of the Ninja Turtles, um Ends up helping him out, and in a New York, you mess with all one of us, you mess with all of us kind of moment. They're like, "Yo, we gonna get that, we gonna get that thing over to the to the turtles. We gonna get that little uh, canister over." No, to that them. it kind of reminded me of the crane scene from Amazing Spider. This movie took too much from the Spider Man movies. Old Spider Man movies but were very New York centric because even in the first one, remember they throw things at Goblin. Yeah. You know, like they don't play you that. You mess with one of us, you mess with all of us. <laughs> you mess with the boy, you're gonna get the horns. <laughs> so, yeah, New York, don't play that. Picking a guy trying to save a bunch of kids. So, what do you what do what do you think about that? Like them using the plastic bag, trying to the cabbie, all that stuff to to, to oh, help yeah, out. Yeah, it, it was the crane. It was literally the crane scene from Amazing Spider-Man, where it's like, wait a minute, in this moment, we know who the hero is. Like, we are about to die. Like. Like I'm not even. It can't even be seen as a lesser of two evils at that point because the turtles aren't evil. It's a wait. These quote unquote ugly creatures are trying to save us from this bigger, uglier creature that's actually killing. We need to help this guy. Yeah, and and if they never come out of the shadows, they never meet this kind of humanity. They never see this kind of humanity. There's no proof that this kind of humanity exists. And I think it's real easy to generalize any group, right? If you've had one bad interaction and you close yourself off to any of those experiences ever again. Um, so I like that this happens here. You know, if only John Kent met somebody that was like, don't worry, bro. It's going to be all right. Like, I don't, I don't care. He's an alien. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, I don't care. Um, we're still, we're still good for beers tomorrow. Like, you know, he needed, he needed a friend that Jonathan Kent, but, uh, 
April overcomes her anxiety and commandeers a news broadcast to explain the mutant's good intentions, and the citizens of New York come to their aid. Leo finds his voice as a leader, and he uses Mikey's gift for improv, Donnie's intelligence and knowledge of uh, giants from Attack on Titan, and Ralph's rage to drop a canister of TCRI retro mutagen into Superfly's blowhole, turning him back into a collection of normal animals. They reconcile with Splinter, uh, the Turtles, and April, and the mutants, and they all end up being celebrated by the city, which was really, really cool. It's all they've ever wanted. Uh, the mutants soon move into the sewers with them. Splinter and Scumbug fall in love. And the turtles enroll at April's high school, where they are all embraced as heroes. You know what the, what the oh, coolest what? part for me? <laughs> they outside. No, they outside. No, that was literally the joke that I mean, I'm sitting next to my friend. And he's laughing at it because I knew he was thinking the same thing. And I just mumbled a little loud, waiting on the world to change. Because it yeah. That's what it sounded like the freaking the John the John Mayer song. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. I will say that them in civvies, they that that didn't do it for me when they took off the masks. Really, really. When they took off the mask, that did it for me. But when that mask falls down the sewer, and he finds it, I'm like, oh, they going like plain, plain. Like you got to know them for them. You don't got to know them for their color. You know. Like they really, yeah. they really coming out of their shells with this. That I was like, I'm. It was down. like because it was it was an identity moment. They know who they are, and it's beautiful. This, this what? Listen, whatever Seth. So Rogen can you can talking, you can you get? So can you get the wanting to be comfortable in your own skin, be accepted? I'm not a monster because I'm different. That's what I'm saying. Like all those themes are here. They're not outwardly said, and it really helps that it drives in. That, that April O'Neil would be designed this way because trying to tell this kind of story would not, you can't have someone like April O'Neil that's just automatically, I Megan love Fox, you guys. The, 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 the model, a supermodel is like, guys, you don't understand. It's so hard out here in these streets. It, it's just even, unfortunately, it's just even skin color alone. I don't think a story like this and the way the character of April was portrayed here could be done with, someone pale skinned someone a little whiter i don't think it could be done you need someone that would look like they are the outcast just because that's how they look not even for who they are like personality wise april o'neill unfortunately in this movie is someone that would be an outcast in real life unfairly for just existing yeah and i think it puts the shoe on the foot of the child watching it in saying that you know, I bet you feel like an outsider. So if you're an outsider, what right do you have to make fun of other outsiders? If you're an outsider, what right do you have to make other people feel like outsiders? If we're all really connected by this idea that we feel like we don't belong, maybe we should all get connected. You know, maybe we should all link up. Um, I was very surprised that Bebop and Rocksteady are seemingly baby faces in this. I didn't like that. That was probably the only thing that I didn't like. But then the more I think about it, it's just like, eh, who cares, you know? It's it's it, it didn't take away from any of the movie. Like that's yeah. not gonna be the thing that's like, oh my god, this movie was damn near perfect, but Bebop and Rocksteady are good guys. No. Right. Because ultimately they were just there for fan service. And it didn't well, really I, I think the story's not over, you know. I mean, I don't know how well, you definitely. do such a hard turn back into villainry from where you're at now, but 
they have the time if they want it. They're gonna keep. I think if they do a sequel, they might keep them at face, or just might not have these guys, all of the the mutants, which would be kind of messed up because then where are they going? Yeah, you know, you kind of your house to them. You gotta kick them out because they can't pay rent. They can't get a job. They're lizards. Uh, I love, the- bro. I love Jackie Chan saying. And there's no there's no app out there to find find mutant women. I just I keep checking every day. Like, <laughs> so who? So cause I can't. I've been trying to think all episode. Who did he sound like to? Oh no, John K. Oh, that's you. Oh, oh, cause I'm going by vocal range. I didn't. No, no, no. Like- just sound like the word, like the the oh, stay at home. I don't I trust it. John oh, I knew you. I I I knew you saw John Kent in him. John Kent, but he came him. around. He figured out. I cannot hide them. They deserve no to be comfortable out there. Yeah, maybe <laughs> if he was raised in New York, he'd feel a little bit, uh, feel a little bit different. Um, but we get a mid-credit scene in this film. We see the turtles enjoying high school life. Uh, Mikey's doing his improv. Leo asks April to the prom, or just a dance. I can't remember which one it is. Um, Leo's hanging out with anime fans. I mean, I'm sorry, Donnie's hanging out with anime fans, and Ralph is on the uh, wrestling team. So, I mean, I don't know how legal that is or how fair that is, but, you know, that's a whole other point for a whole other day. What about weight class? Uh, as long as proper weight class? Yeah. Yeah, right? What's the, what's the turtle weight class? Um, so, and I think I, <laughs> I don't know if you heard this, but, you know, Leo asks April to the prom and April's like, j- gets to it before he does. And, um, it's it's insinuated that like they're on the same page about stuff, and then they get to the problem. And he's like, she's like, we're friends, right, or something like that. Like she, she instantly puts him on the bench. She's like, we're friends. And he goes like, what? And then they cut real quick to something else. So I thought that was funny. But even with all our friends having fun in school, they are being surveilled by Ultram, who is now holding a unmutated Superfly captive. So captive Superfly's alive. Um, and they plan to recapture the turtles to get their mutagen blood, but they can't do it alone. So instead, they enlist the help of the Shredder. And we got a bit, we got a little bit of a side, pro, I mean, a back profile of what would be known as the Shredder in this. And the film ends. What do you think about that mid credit scene? I knew it was gonna, I knew it was gonna come, like with Shredder. If it wasn't yeah. gonna be. Sh- I was gonna be popped up. I was half expecting Casey Jones to be like just a name drop student in the hallway, like, hey Casey, like ah they didn't say Jones, but it's close enough. But no, <laughs> as long as we get more of this, I'll definitely go back to the theaters. As long as Evan Goldberg and Seth Rogen are still are writing it, I'll go back to the theaters. I don't know what this man has been smoking the last few years, but I kind of need some. Cause between this, <laughs> the boys, invisible, like, what is yeah. going? Oh, he was part of he was part of Mario, which you know Mario did well. He was Donkey Kong in that. Um, so yeah, he's he's on a hot streak. I'd watch this a million times. I'd watch it with anyone. Well, I can't I wait to own it. Is, yeah, I think this film is a great film. It's a great installment and a great start to this this kind of franchise. I believe now um, people are getting better at how they want to start these stories, give their characters places to go, as opposed to comforting. Fan, the fan base with everything they already know, um, which is a bold choice, 
because some people aren't patient to watch them go through the hero's journey. But I always think the hero's journey is worth it so long as you make it worth it. And I'm, I think that this story is going to be worth it. It's going to be cool to see them get better. It's going to be cool to, to see how their regular lives are impacted by any of this stuff. And when Shredder comes in, that means that the Foot Clan comes. What does that mean for New York City? What does that mean for the Turtles? What does that mean for Splinter? Does he know who Shredder is? All these questions and more hopefully will be answered in a sequel that won't be coming anytime soon because the writers and the actors are currently on strike. But we don't strike around here. Or maybe we will three strikes are out kind of stuff but we try to go ahead and give you guys uh major issues episode each and every week every single wednesday knock on vibranium um and we've been able to do so free of charge but we do so because of the support that you guys give us um if you guys like this episode if this is the first episode you've ever listened to the one place you can find every single episode of the major issues podcast is comicbookclick.com as every single episode of the major issues podcast and we're marching towards episode 300 so go back and check out our our back catalog i believe we even have if you become a patreon patreon.com slash cbc clubhouse we actually have a commentary track for the 1990s turtles film I believe, which I might put on one of these days, just put on the film, put on our, our commentary track. Oh, we track. do have that. Yes, we did do a commentary track of the 90s. I think, and I thought it was hilarious. So I might go back and, and, and watch that. But yeah, we do all this free of charge. So I want you, if you're digging this, though, you can help us out in so many different ways. If you want to help us out with money, which helps, you can go to comicbookclick.com and go to shop comic book click and it'll take you to our t public store where shirts designed by me are all up there i will be this weekend working on a we're outside we sorry we outside uh uh, uh shirt uh let's see how all that works but um yeah go to comicbookclick.com, buy a piece of merchandise you get to keep the merchandise it's one of a kind because i designed it and we get a kickback for every piece of merchandise sold if you don't want to buy a piece of merchandise and you have some change around the couch, consider becoming a Patreon at patreon.com slash CBC clubhouse for as little as 10 cents a day, $3 a month, $3 for the entire month. You get to help us out. You get access to exclusive content that we recorded only for patrons. Um, and you get to help us out monetarily afford the hardware and the software that it takes to provide this content free of charge. So consider helping us out monetarily that way. If you don't got any money, I get it. It's a recession out here in these streets and it's getting hotter every day. Uh, the other way you can help repay us for our tireless work as part of the Major Issues podcast is to tell other friends about the podcast, share it around, word of mouth, help us grow across all of our uh, social media platforms. We're at facebook.com slash comic book click, Instagram at comic book click, and you can use the hashtag comic book click to talk about the newest, hottest, latest, and greatest things to come to comic books and comic book media. We're at Major Issue CBC on Twitter and at Major Issue CBC on Twitch. I hope to be twitching soon once Spider-Man, uh, Marvel Spider-Man 2 comes out. That's going to be a hell of a blast. So consider uh, following us on Twitch to be ready for all of that. But yeah, man, we do this for you guys so join the conversation get on the bandwagon before the bandwagon gets full um thankfully while i'm doing my tireless work here uh to cover comic books and comic book media those who are fans of film in general are not left without content because i believe our man dan the comic book man might be cooking something up do you want to tell the people about a little project you might be doing over on your side sir of course of course uh pretty soon uh coming september hopefully September, fingers crossed, the podcast gods look down on me and smile their biggest smiles. 
Hopefully mm-hmm. the September will be rolling around the corner with the, the Sofa Bros podcast where it's just me and uh, two other hosts where we just deep dive into the world of cinema, all the world of movies, just like what we do here with comics where we just look at the newest, hottest, latest and greatest as well as the old and famous. We, yeah. we go from the 1930s to the 2030s, even though it's not there yet. In the future, we will be. Uh, I'm also on Letterboxd. If you guys like Letterboxd, you can just search up Daniel Georgie, you know, or Cinefreak God, C-I-N-E, Freak God. You just look me up. I have lists. I have all sorts of things if you're into movies. Um, that's really about it. That's cooking up. I just got to hope the podcast gods shine down on me and we can get ourselves a September release. Yeah, you're currently on track to have watched every single 2023 release in theaters. It's a hell of a monumentous feat, but you will continue doing so and only become a better critic by doing yeah. so, you know, uh, by by traversing all this kind of stuff. And it's it's through your theatrical journey of watching every 2023 film that you found this one, you know, so I think that that's that's got to be one of the high points of, of doing what you're doing. Oh, definitely. There's, there has been a lot of crappy movies this year, but I found a lot of gold. A lot of movies that I didn't even think I was going to end up liking, like I saw The Meg 2 today. And I genuinely had a good time with The Meg 2. I thought it would have been fine, yeah. I, I thought it, know, it knows what it is, and that's kind of what that's Better than what Sharknado, I'll tell that. you that. <laughs> but it, Yeah, but if you want to hear more, check out the Sofa Bros podcast coming this September. I'll put a link for your letterbox in the show notes. So if you look in the description of the show notes, uh, there'll be a link to Dan's letterbox. So you can see uh, and, and kind of go with him on his journey through watching films of 2023 and reviewing films of the past, the latest and greatest when it comes to cinema. Um, but yeah, man, jump on his bandwagon and jump on my bandwagon before it come, becomes full. Cause I've been to the future where we do become the latest and greatest things to come to comic books and comic book media, but I can't tell you how we do it. Cause it will mess up the timeline. And next thing you know, Dwayne Johnson is playing all four turtles in a live action remake. And he says he doesn't want to use CGI. And no one wants any of that. It'd be absolutely ridiculous. So don't mess up the timeline. Just jump on uh, and follow us on the road to 300. But mm, my name is George Serrano, a.k.a. The Don. I am Dan, the comic book man. And we outside. We outside your And this has been our Teenage Mutant Turtles. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Mutant Mayhem recap and review and remember whether you're a giant fly, whether you're a mutated rat, whether you're cool and rude or party dude, whether you work on machines, whether you're lean and mean, it ain't easy being green, but you are part of the clique. So always remember that you, yes, you are worthy.